chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat anything, those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fail, and they will be upheld when the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Tell all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. Also, those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God, while those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord, and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each of us will be accountable to God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
that quote attributed to many different people about how holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. But I am not convinced that any of that would be all that helpful. We all know that forgiveness is a virtuous and healthy and helpful thing to practice. And besides that, this is not a TED Talk, and I am not an expert on forgiveness, and you are not an audience. We are a faith community. You are a congregation, and I am your priest. And we together sit at the feet of our family's best storyteller, Jesus, wanting him to give us some direction, not on why to forgive, but on how. And he responds to Peter and to us by telling a story that is supposed to make us very uncomfortable. And it does. The implication in his parable that forgiveness is contingent on our ability to forgive others makes me shift uncomfortably up here. You know how I kissed the gospel book after I have read a story from it? While this is an ancient practice, I do it in the same spirit in which I kiss a family member. I do not always agree with my relatives or like what they have said or done. But I love them, and I respect them, and so I kiss them. I love Jesus, and respect him, and so I kiss the gospel book even when the words unsettle me. It is a small act of forgiveness toward myself for expecting Jesus to be more like me, and toward Jesus for being Jesus and unsettling me again. Today I am unsettled. And there are other truths in this room that ought to be named. We as a community are coming to the end of an interim time, an in-between time. In two weeks we will welcome Nancy, our new rector. Waiting and wondering is exciting. But it can also bring out anxiety and quirky behavior and uncertainty. Sometimes when communities are in transition, feelings get hurt, mistakes get made, people turn out to be less than perfect, expectations are thwarted, things don't always run as smoothly as we want them to, forgiveness is needed. As we approach a new relationship, we often reflect on relationships of the past. Change awakens memories of other rectors, of weddings, funerals, of abundance times and scarce times, of gratitude and celebration, and of pain and loss, of other hellos and other goodbyes. Of moments that you felt God in this place and moments that you did not feel God in this place and wondered why. In faith communities, we open ourselves to one another. We are vulnerable. Wonderful things happen. 
and hurtful things happen. Forgiveness is often needed. The earliest church community, which consisted of Jesus' disciples and followers, wasn't so different from our communities here now. Which is why Peter asked this question of Jesus. Peter loved his church. He was always trying to go deeper into community, deeper into Jesus' teachings, deeper into God's love. He asked the big questions. He let himself be very vulnerable. He tried again and again to get it right, and he made the most glaring mistakes. In today's Gospel, Peter's trying hard to discern Jesus' teachings around forgiveness. More than likely, there are people in his community and people in his community who he has hurt. And here Jesus is telling them all that God commands forgiveness, doesn't suggest it, commands it. So Peter puts himself out there like he always does. Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? The wrong question. Framed in the wrong way. But Jesus humors him. No, Peter, not seven times. Seventy-seven times. Forgive more times than you think you have the capacity to forgive. Just keep on forgiving. Forgiveness is not so much a quantifiable or isolated event, but rather a mindset. A thing engaged daily, particularly in community. To ask how many times one must forgive in community is like, and forgive me this analogy, it's like moving into a house and after a week you notice that the bathroom is getting a bit grimy, which is annoying. But you roll up your sleeves and you get out the scrub brushes and now or later you think you're done only to discover the next day that there's a blob of toothpaste on the table. And what's with that mildew on the ceiling over the shower? You didn't even notice that yesterday. Maybe you'll have to clean this bathroom again. Maybe even seven times during the course of living here. Whatever you've done, 
God is forgiving you, and Jesus is telling those who know you to forgive you as well. I believe that this is a beloved community, where people feed one another, and where people occasionally get hurt, and where forgiveness needs to and can happen. I believe that all of us make mistakes, daily, hourly. In communities and families, all of us hurt each other, intentionally and unintentionally. I believe that once we humbly confess and seek forgiveness for our own sins, we are less likely to repeat them. And forgiveness toward one another and ourselves flows more easily. I believe that we can forgive, even when we cannot or should not reconcile a relationship. I believe that we can talk about forgiveness and learn how to give and receive it in a safe community. We can take what we've learned here and bring it out there into our wider lives. I believe that the sacrament of confession, said either privately or said together in our worship here on Sundays, is a way to, a healing way to infuse forgiveness into our lives. I believe that God's commandment that we forgive one another is linked to God's commandment that we observe together. We need to clean resentment out of our lives just as we need to clean relentless busyness out of our lives. Both practices make more space for God, more space for love,
Jean, Jim, Taylor, Cheryl and Ryan, the Martin family, Yuli, Richard, Stephen, Edith, Joan, Kirsten, Ariana, Joanne, Edie, those without jobs, those serving in the military, all who work for peace. Are there others? Hear us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all of the blessings of this life. We will exalt you, O God, our King. We pray for all who have died, that they may faith find a place in your eternal kingdom. We pray especially for the repose of the souls of Hugh Shepley, husband of Mary Water Shepley, Esau Lackey, are there others? Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them. We pray to you also for the forgiveness of our sins. Have mercy upon us.
and do good and do joyful things. Always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. For you are the source of light and life. You made us in your image and called us to new life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore we praise you. Joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us. 
Remain with you this day and 